What is up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan and I am joined today by my good friend and colleague Ian O'Neill to look back at Cage Warriors 144. Ian is uh, an MMA media member over at uh, SevereMMA.com and the Owl Triangle podcast as well. Covering a lot of, uh, obviously the the Irish MMA, but uh, local European and UK MMA as well. So the, the best guy to bring on to talk about this card and what a card it was over in Rome in Italy and you know as someone who's been to a lot of the local Irish cards I know you have too Ian going back to, to the UFCs with McGregor and others on it as well this kind of in, in you know it felt like a smaller version of it, it felt like maybe the uh, the Irish card that was on in Cork there towards the, the start of the pandemic or just before the pandemic even it was something special Italian guys went 8-0 and on the night a real big event for the country, you know. There hasn't been much MMA there over, you know. You know, France and Italy, I think, are kind of really opening up uh, in the last while, and it looks like uh, <laughs> it's a quality place for MMA. Some very good fighters coming out there, and a very, very good card overall. And it was one year, wasn't it, where the crowd kind of took the cards and made it something special. Yeah, it really was. And the great words of Mario Ranello, Mamma Mia, what a card, what a night for Italian MMA. I mean, I don't think that there's going to be a pizza safe over there uh, after tonight over in Rome. They're going to be all mad and hungry after getting getting involved in their camps and they'll all be celebrating, I'm sure, over a, over a pie over there as well. But look, this was a card for me that kind of snuck in a little bit under the radar where it didn't really catch my attention until like it was right up on us. And I was like, oh, uh, and maybe me and you were having a conversation about it is that it was like a sneakily good card and the way it kind of turned out is is going to be one that's going to live in the memory especially in Italian MMA for a long long time every single well all but one Italian fighter won on the card but we had two Italian fighters fighting each other I believe so um you know, uh, they had a really, really good night overall. And, you know, it. the crowd did build. It was like, I think they were even saying it on the desk. It felt like the crowd was closing in on them all night. And you could kind of feel that energy inside the cage as well. And the fighters were really, you know, getting something from that crowd, obviously enough. It was just such a big night, uh, highly anticipated over in Italy, obviously. And like you said, you know, Italian MMA hasn't been having the best run of luck lately on a, on a kind of an international scene or even on a European scene as well, where, you know, there's the emergence of a star is kind of lacking a bit. Obviously, you have Marvin Vittori in the UFC and everything like that. But, you know, this is a really breakout night for Italian MMA and for a lot of the fighters on the card tonight as well. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think the phrase you used there, the, the card built, it really, really did. Because sometimes you go to those events and it's, you know, Paddy Hoolan first fight at night. And you know the, the you know the, the crowd kind of uh, blow their load early, I suppose, for for want of a much better term, uh, and, and it gets uh, you know it gets a bit quiet, and then you know it comes back for the main event and stuff, I suppose. But this one was the one where I was like, oh, is this going to be a good crowd? Oh, this is a good crowd. Oh my god. And by the main event, it's like, this is an unbelievable crowd. And uh, the main event really delivered. Look, we have to start with that main event. The crowd are the main story, but the main event, I think, was up there as well. An absolutely unbelievable back and forth fight uh, between Dominique Wooden and Martin Martignoni, uh, uh, Michele Martignoni even. Uh, when the full five rounds looked at the start, and I'll run through the fight in a minute, but, uh, um, you know, round by round, but looked at the start as if, Wooding was going to have the better of him, especially towards the start of the second round. Martignoni came back and then kind of 
he took the fight from Wooding in a massive way. He kind of, he took everything Wooding had for him, came back with more, and then kind of extended the lead. And it turned into a fight where Wooding didn't go away then, and Wooding kind of came back, didn't do loads, I suppose, but never went away. But it was a it was a real classic fight. We were uh, on a Q&A the other day, and someone asked us, what's the greatest Cage Warriors fight of all time? Now, I, I don't think this necessarily is it, but it's up there. It's a, an all-time classic five-round fight. I, I really enjoyed it. How, how did you find it, Ian? No, exactly the same. And the the last point that you made was, you know, we, it's just so funny that we were on that stream and we were asked that question. We were having a conversation about it. And, you know, while I would agree, it, it might not live up to be the greatest, but this one is going to be up at the top of the tier for fights that you remember, and especially title fights inside Cage Warriors as well. I mean, just a classic fight with bunch of momentum shifts throughout you know you, you mentioned Martin O'Neill was hurt in this round two and found his way to come back Dominic Wooding then from round three maybe a little bit in round four came back a little bit as well but it just wasn't enough in the end I think you know both these guys put on an absolute war there they have both of them the heart of a lion really we got into a battle of attrition where we found out who wanted it more and it was uh, Martin O'Neill in the end that, that, that really did and you know um with Dominic Wooding, look, there was plenty of talk from the Wooding camp and from Wooding himself coming into this fight about, you know, contracts and stuff like that. And it just proves that you really, really have to focus on the task at hand or what will happen is what happened tonight and you'll end up losing it all. And and that's unfortunately the situation that Dominic Wooding in, is in right now. But I mean, the heart of Martin only to come back from because he was almost gone. And I, I don't believe Dominic Wooding was in there believing that Martin only was going to make it out of that second round, but somehow he did. And, you know, he came back at the later stages of the second round and even recovered then, and then just continued to gain or that, that garner that kind of, um, uh, you know, momentum as the fight went on. And it was just a tremendous performance. Like when the final bell rang you could barely hear it and the referee broken in and the roar of the crowd you could feel the energy through the screen and I'm not joking I got goosebumps I swear to God it has I, that hadn't happened in a while but normally I get it if I'm watching an Irish show because you can put yourself there but you could just feel the energy come through the screen and I got that and you could see Martinoni's reaction it just meant so much to him and to everybody there it was really brilliant to watch I, I'm pretty sure the timekeeper had to ring the bell twice I don't think Goddard or whoever it was heard it the first time because it was like the, uh, it was thick and down I was like did the bell go on it was like three seconds later and I went again it was that loud it was, <laughs> yeah. it was really unbelievable let me run through the fight quickly here and then we, we can maybe talk more about it just in case people haven't seen it so the fight started out and obviously the, the raucous Italian crowd they were cheering Martignoni strikes more than there were Woodings but I thought Wooding was was landing more and he was landing really fast crisp strikes as well but Martignoni was landing hard as well in that first round I thought he started to get a little bit predictable though maybe midway through the round slow enough start from Wooding uh when Martin only went for that takedown at the middle of the round and didn't get it, I know they were saying on commentary, and we'll talk actually about the commentary maybe in a minute, remind me and if I, if I forget, but they were, they were talking about how uh, oh, the the takedown attempt maybe will get Wooding uh, thinking, and that's that usually is the case, but I think in this one he was kind of, it gave him um, it gave him a bit of confidence that he was able to stop the takedown, and like I talked about it coming in on the betting show, that if Marnioni wanted to win this fight, he'd have to probably push him against the cage uh, for, you know, large portions of the first two rounds, and and he didn't do that, and, and he still ended up winning it, but that takedown attempt was no good, 
big knockdown late for um, uh, Martin, uh, Martin only got knocked down by Wooding late with a 1-2 got back up and he was alright towards the end of the round but in the second round there was a huge right hand for Martignoni and Wooding absolutely ate it just walked through it massive combination from Wooding and Martignoni was badly hurt he survived knocked down again the fight went to the ground Martignoni was bleeding bad uh, he, it looked uh, like he's, it was all coming from his nose and I don't know where it was coming from it was coming from everywhere Wooding stood up big right hand from Martignoni again um, and it turned in for the next maybe minute to like an even stand up fight where you're thinking like Wooding should be just dominating this because Martignoni got absolutely beat to pieces but I think it was more Wooding than or Martignoni than anything for that next minute and then Wooding got so tired I think he kind <coughs> I don't know was it a mental gassing or a physical gassing but he gassed either way Martignoni got a big takedown a massive ground and pound almost finished Wooding it I scored it uh, for Martignoni and I think all three judges did as well from that point on it was a Martignoni fight he rushed in uh, in the third round Dominic got the overhook and he did a good job lots of clinching though um, Goddard broke it up big right hand from Mar- Martignoni Dominic kind of got his second wind in I thought uh, in the third round but Martignoni was landing the better short, shots then Dominic did land one left hand but there was more right hands late for Martignoni in the fourth then big takedown as well and lots of time, time on top none much landed for Martignoni and the fight got up with like 58 seconds left and I was thinking Dominic Wooding can win this round here but he didn't he didn't throw hardly anything Martignoni landed the two big right hands and then in the fifth there's a big flying knee for Martignoni and I think uh, Wooding was like oh we're going to have a fight here and Martignoni dipped straight down got a double leg put him against the fence took him down there uh, and held him there for, for long long periods got into the mound landed a few strikes into half guard uh, got up there was another takedown and more control and Martignoni ended up winning it it was a fight where there was opportunities I think for Wooding after the big opportunities and he you know he didn't take them I, I would say it was it was an unbelievable performance for Martignoni I think probably the best he could produce uh, at this time of his career I'm not sure what I say the same for Wooding I think he did make some mistakes and he is a guy look, that is a really talented guy and still improving and could have won. You know, that fight could have been stopped in the second round. But it was really, look, the crowd had Martignoni, as you mentioned, the word momentum. When he got that momentum back, it was very, very hard at any stage for Wooding to snatch it back because Martignoni had the advantage in the wrestling. And it was just a fight that it just turned, didn't it, Ian? It just turned to Martignoni. And from that point on, it didn't really turn back. Yeah, it was kind of amazing to see in that second round as well with Martinoni so hurt. And like I thought, oh, surely the referee was, was about to step in at any stage. Blood was flowing out of Martinoni, like you said, where it was out of his nose, out of everywhere that it could, it seemed that's at times. But, you know, the momentum shift and you you come and tell me after watching that event that fighters don't feed off a crowd in the audience because it definitely happened at Martinoni and you know it probably happened happened to the opposite effect of Dominic Wooding where he wasn't able to feed off anything it was that negative energy that was coming towards him and you know it's it's a, it's a real difficult 
position to be in when you're Dominic Wooding and you hurt a guy like that because you can tell and, and, and we've seen in that second round that he put so much in to try and finish the fight as well. So obviously that's going to take away something from your gas tank, but it's also going to take something away from your mental side as well. When you put everything into into getting a finish and you don't get it done, it can, it can really mess with you that kind of way as well. And I think it did on both ends of the sticks where he was kind of asking for questions after that and how is he going to get Martinoni out of there and how is he going to start the takedown because stopping the takedown was the key for Dominic Wooding in this fight to try and get the win and he did so very well until he got tired and until he couldn't simply couldn't do it anymore and that was the major factor in Martinoni kind of getting advantage and keeping that advantage and ultimately winning the fight overall but a tremendous back and forth fight throughout like I mean it wasn't a complete domination by any sense of the word Dominic Wooding did come back in the later stages and had some flashes landed some good shots but I think you know number one like his cardio was gone his output stopped and also some of the pop came off of his punches which which can happen if you're trying to defend takedowns on a constant basis as well yeah I, I think you make some great points there like I, 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 I was talking and I know we have a group over saying cardio was the biggest factor in this but I think the point that you made there is a very very good one as well like about the power in his shots after uh, the second round where he didn't really have as much confidence in him that's actually a great point because if you look at the success in the first two rounds or in the first round and a half I suppose it was all down to him having more confidence in his knockout power than he was worried about Martignoni's because he was taking some big right hands from Martignoni and he was kind of just walking through him and eating him and he did that for the rest of the fight but I felt like he lost that confidence in his own striking while also kind of gassing out and Martin, like, Martignoni took the fight from him in a lot of different ways. He beat the fight out of him, I think, in a lot of different ways as well. And it was, it, it wasn't just that, he, like, maybe we're sounding here like it's, we're talking about, oh, he won an all heart and determination in the crowd. I actually think there was some really smart stuff. Like, a lot of the time where, you know, if I talk about judging, maybe staying on top and not landing much isn't the best thing to do. You know, but if it's a, if you're ahead in the round, you know, and there's two or three minutes left and you stay on top. Well, you'll still be ahead if you're the one on top after those two or three minutes. He did that a couple of times during the fight and I think it was very, very smart uh, and a very interesting thing to do. I saw online afterwards, um, Kalen Lochran is, is calling out the both of them, the winner, but both of them. <laughs> yeah, he, he's fighting Luke Shanks coming up. That's a good fight. I, I wouldn't mind it's seeing It's a great fight. Like Obviously, he has Luke Shanks to, to take care of first, uh, but the, the bantamweight division is heating up now in Cage Warriors. We've got a couple of we have Dylan Hazan as well who fought at the catchweight at 140 we'll speak about him later He, he's really up there as well if you know he shouted for the UFC after the fight but you know you could see uh, another card maybe in Italy next year where they might face him and, and Martignoni might face off but yeah I, I, you know Kalen is the major player he'll, he'll want to be staking his claim against Luke Shanks on November 4th that's a phenomenal fight as well and not an easy one too so hopefully Kalen takes it, keeps his eye on the prize as well but yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I just can't give enough credit to Martin only here there like the, the performance the, the the comeback from adversity you know remaining calm and composed in that scenario too is not easy to do as well because that crowd was wild it was rabid out there they wanted it and you know you can get drawn into that where you know it could easily have we could easily have seen Martin only get an adrenaline dumper or his gas could have failed him as well if he didn't kind of stay composed but he did and like you said he made the right decisions at the right time 
and ultimately got the win. It was just a brilliant performance. And you know, Dominic Dominic Wooding will take some some something from that. He will come back strong as well. And uh, yeah, I think you know he'll he'll be back to the drawing board, and, and we'll see him again. And he's going to be winning fights down the line for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think he'll be back. It's very interesting. You know, you mentioned as well earlier about Wooding's kind of uh, contractual situation, where there was talks of him going to PFL. I think, funny enough, they said in the broadcast there was like he wanted to go to the UFC, and I'm like, mm, is that is that? technically correct I'm not sure like you yeah, know I think the saying is go and walk before you can run yeah. um, and uh, yeah it might have been yeah, asking for a little bit too much I mean no, like, but when I, you get I, I think it's more like I don't think the cage orange broadcast wanted to say PFL <laughs> you know that like, oh, I don't yeah. think they wanted yeah, to yeah, give yeah, him yeah, any yeah, ground no, so yeah it's it's interesting like Wooding's still a very good fighter he said uh, um, they were both kind of saying afterwards let's have a rematch and I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again in, in London maybe or somewhere but it'd be interesting I was thinking exactly the same thing yeah. after the fight is definitely one I, I'd look back upon and, and especially you know what Dominic Wooding has been able to do as well um, before this fight some spectacular knockouts as well uh, you know he does deserve that chance if he's willing to take it and uh, if Martinoni is willing to give it to him and, and I'm sure that could happen as well Yeah, I, so I, you, I don't you, think you don't, so but I wouldn't, I, I'd like to see it I don't, I don't think KHR is going to do it after what has happened over the last couple of months but well, what yeah, you, that Hazan fight though you know we might as well talk about the Hazan fight while, while you mentioned there a second ago like okay I, I think um, the Phillips came in and short notice only a couple of days obviously it was you know a very one sided fight he ended it in uh, under three minutes and he got the, the TKO with, with a bit of ground and pound and nasty stuff again from Hazan but his wins before that you know uh, beating Scott Malone beating Josh Reed and others as well Hazan is like I think he's a guy I remember I, I was previewing one of the cards maybe with yourself or maybe with Brad and um, I remember looking at this guy and I, th- I think he was maybe what 5-0 and or 6-0 and or something at the time and I saw a few people talking about him and I went to watch a few of his fights like oh god this guy is flying under the radar here you know he goes in he beats Josh Reed he beats Scott Malone he is a re- uh, you know tonight okay we can look and we can see his quality but this guy is he, he, you know he calls for the UFC I think he is a guy who will be in the UFC in the future he's a very talented guy isn't he Absolutely, yeah. I I have no doubt that we're going to see Dylan Hazan in the UFC one one way or another. The path he chooses to get there will be up to him. Uh, if he's going to try and push to get there right now, you know that's one way. Another way is just call your shot for a title. You know he he could get there. He could get to the one hundred and thirty five pound weight limit, and I I think he's a real real tough test for anybody at that weight. To be honest, tonight look at there was a little bit of a discrepancy in in kind of experience and 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 probably in talent too. If we're being fair as well, um, but you know what? That's not that's not Dylan's fault. I think you know he went in there. He had a job to do. He went in and got that job done and he wasn't willing to wait around too much you know he set a ferocious pace from the start of the fight and uh, Jefferson uh, Jefferson was unable to kind of uh, equal that and ultimately it was a nasty hammer uh, hammer fist that kind of hurt him I don't know it caught him over the eye maybe it done some damage to to, to, to Philippe's uh, um, orbital bone or something like that but you could see that reaction and the referee did a really good job to step in there and call a halt to the action 100% a very very interesting line for that 135 on division I'm sure I'll be hearing from Hazan and, and Galen and you know Luke Shanks Galen keeps calling it an easy fight but that's no easy fight you know and if he comes through that it'll be uh, it'll be a massive win it'll be right there so I think those two lads will be uh, will be gunning for that top spot a very very interesting one there uh, let's talk about the main event Matters Firminez versus uh, uh, Carlo Pedersali Jr we were just talking briefly before we started there about this first round and it was a very 
close first round, you know. Uh, I thought Manners was winning off the back foot. Um, he was landing some lovely kicks to the body, lovely kicks to the leg. But you look at Pedro Asali and, you know, okay, I'm going to go like the, the old school uh, scoring system here. He was, you know, he was controlling the cage. He was controlling the octagon and pushing him back. And... It, look, it, it was it was looking to me like this is just a, a, a typical Flaminas fight where the, these lads are coming in with you know very skillful, athletic guys, and he's just beating them. Like he is just beating them. Peter Sol even he got a takedown in round two. He got a matters you know defended him with guillotine attempts. Peter Soli got into mount from a head and arm choke. Matters scrambled, um, uh, and he ended up in the mount. Ended up in half guard. You know, it, it scrambled again, got out of it. Uh, Peter Solly ended up on top. Matters gave him the back, got out of it. But the the end of the fight, he gave him the back again. And it was one too many times. And when he got into, you know, gave him the back, gave up that rear naked choke. It was all over for him. Like, I think the problem here for Fernandez was he put himself in too many bad positions too many times. And it usually works out well for him because he's able to fight through. And like, Manners Feminis might be one of the best, like, defensive scramblers in the world in MMA. He's absolutely brilliant at it. Like, there's, he's, he reminds me, and this is the greatest compliment I can give anyone, he reminds me of Jose Aldo. He's so good at defensively uh, scrambling, uh, or I mean, defensively, just scrambling, I suppose, is, is enough to say for But, you know, he, he did scramble. He did get to where he wanted to get to. Unfortunately for him, he ended up in the rear naked choke, but... I think uh, Daniel Strauss said on commentary he was winning the fight until he lost it, you know, and I, I would tend to agree with that. Now, it was close. Oh, it wasn't by any means, uh, you know, a, a domination for Matters or, or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he's... This is the sort of fight he's been winning lately and for Pedro Soli to win that fight against someone as good as Flaminas, I think he deserves great credit for that. But Flaminas as well, he will be back. One of my favourite fighters, one of the guys who does not get enough credit. He really doesn't get enough credit. So, you know, you, I wouldn't knock him while he's down uh, here after that at all. But a very high-level fight and a very, very good fight. I, I call this maybe the, the fight of the weekend beforehand. Maybe the main event took it away, but I did enjoy this. It was a very good two rounds. What do you think of it, you know? It was excellent, yeah. I thought it was like two different fights within one fight, to be honest, because round one, they came out, obviously, you know, and they were very, uh, very cautious in their approach. And sometimes you will see that when a Southpaw is facing an orthodox fighter, you know, because the similarities and, or maybe their sparring partners, obviously they would have been sparring with like uh, likelihood of uh, facing an opponent, whether they're Southpaw or orthodox or not. But sometimes when you get in there, you can, you're, you're maybe, you know, a little bit hesitant to make those movements or, or to or to throw those shots. You know, um, you're kind of it was a first round of a feeling out process of somewhat. You know, where I do agree with you, Madis for me, and I was working very well off the back foot. The takedown at the end of the round for Peter Sully, you know, there was nothing. It was just a takedown. There was not real damage, so I don't think you could actually score that in favor of Peter Sully, but. The only way I can kind of describe it is it must have set off something in Madras Feminas because when he came out for a round two, the pace was up. He was more um, pushing forward. He wasn't fighting on the back foot anymore. He was throwing those wild shots. He was getting, in, you know, and those wild shots led to the clinch exchanges, where which led to the scrambles. And, you know, you're dead right. In those situations, you know... <laughs> In certain certain sense of the word, you need a small bit of luck or to move in the right direction at the right time. 
And it just so happened that Pedro Soli found Madre Flamina's back, like you said, once too often. And, and I was I was lucky enough there to get the choke on it. You know, you create your own look as well with the rear naked choke. But um, it could have easily been Pedro or Soli as well. But looking back at Madre Flamina's losses, he's only lost the really top level competition. You know, Adam Proctor, Mateus Figlak, Jack Grant have been the only three guys that have defeated him. Um, and it's and it's just so unfortunate. One of the best fighters on the Cage Warriors roster that you know, definitely deserves to be in a title shot. Deserves to have fought for a title, and I mean, it, it, he just keeps falling at the final hurdles. You know, I, I couldn't believe he was in this fight. Like they've so recently is a champion at the moment, and they've made an interim title fight against two other lads. I couldn't believe he wasn't in that fight. He has earned his way there without his shadow of a doubt. But I don't know. I mean, they, like obviously, they wanted him here. He'll take anyone. And you you look at that as well. Pedro Soli's in that mix now. You know, he's right in that mix for a title shot now, or or in title contention anyway. So. It's a very interesting, a very good fight, but I couldn't agree more with you on Flaminas. He's yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, man. Him, he's yeah. doing look. He's thirty four years of age now, and I mean that might have been his last chance to get in there. I own, wouldn't completely count him out. He didn't get d- demolished by any sense of the word tonight in that fight, but that's going to be a crushing defeat for him, to be honest. I'd say, and um, it's going to be a tough one to come back. But you know, uh, if you if I had a gun to my head right now, and if I was asked if Flaminas would be getting his hand raised inside the cage warriors in the future I would have to say yes yeah 100% uh, maybe it's time for him you know I was actually thinking during the fight he'd be a great guy to get on Dana White contender series I really think he would because he'd win fights there and he'd win fights in the UFC if he got in there as well I truly believe that if Flaminas went to the UFC I was saying it on the shows this week I think he, you know, I think he'd be a fifteen fight UFC veteran and probably win maybe nine or ten of those. You know, I really think yeah. he'd be one of those I fighters. To Tough agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I hope it happens. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you zig when you should have zagged and you end up getting caught in a rear naked choke, and and that's mixed martial arts in a Indeed nutshell for you. Indeed, it is. Um, after that, then the, the, look, the card was very good, obviously with the locals and stuff. But with Sharia off the card, uh, it turned into you know. I suppose a long prelims, if you want to put it that way. Uh, his team at Awaso uh, got a massive reception coming out from all the French crowd that were there. She fought Jasmine Favero. Uh, Favero landed a few shot, shots. Uh, Sau got into the clinch. Um, the fight got to the ground, and it was a beautiful straight armbar from Favero. She caught it under the leg, like. It wasn't quite Ronda Rousey versus Katzingano, but something not yeah. massively dissimilar. Beautiful straight armbar um, attempt and uh, a beautiful finish there. You know, I wouldn't say Sao was probably the highest level in the world. No. But <laughs> did a good job there. And as well, you know, the, the Tyrell Designified. We talked a while ago, and I was talking on the podcast, and I know a few people have been given out. Cage Warriors haven't had many women's MMA fights over the last while. Great to see uh, a couple of men here and hopefully more to come as well in the future. The, the, the Tyrell Designified, just quickly here before I throw it to you in. The Signy kind of dominated this fight throughout it. She was just so much faster. It was an absolute destruction on the feed for the first round. Looked a bit slower in the second round. This Brian Terrell just so tough. Just so, so tough. Um, and that was like the story of the whole fight. Just a really tough Tyrell uh, against a really good De Signy. But, uh, you know... I, I, I would say a good fight, you know, a good a good workout for the Signy Tyrell, you know, did herself proud, I suppose, in there, and a good win for Favero as well in in that one, Ian. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know, um, Favero. 
I think it was just a classic judo throw into a straight arm lock Americana. Like, I mean, that's judo 101, to be honest. You know, she set her up beautifully for that. Uh, a little bit more of awareness uh, was probably needed on the ground for Awasau. I think, you know, she should have been expecting that. That's, a, look, at if uh, that was one of the first submissions that I learned. But then, you know, you learn a submission and then you learn how to get out of that submission as well. After you learn how to do it, you learn how to get out of it. And, you know, it's... We don't see that too much uh, in professional mixed martial arts, and, and we don't because it's a relatively easy sub to put on. It's a really, relatively easy sub to get out of as well. But you know what? Jasmine Favero, she got that tip toss very quickly, and she locked it on very quickly. So I mean, you just it just goes to prove you have to be, you have to have your, uh, you have to have your, uh, what's the word I'm no, looking for? About your ducks you. in a row. Yeah, mm. wits about <laughs> you. That's exactly what I was looking about for for there. When when that fight gets down, it was an excellent quick finish from Favero. Um, the Segni against Tyrell. Uh, Tyrell was like really good fight as well. I thought. Uh, you know, we saw the Signy, I think, believe in Daniel White's contender series. She lost this fight against Mallory Martin. So she's trying to forge her path back to the UFC now as well. Lost a very close split decision in, in her last fight in Aries. So, you know, she looked really good. I do think that she slowed down quite a bit as well. Wondering, you know, she looked very big for the weight. So I'm wondering what that weight cut must be like for her. But it's absolutely great to see women back in the cage warriors wearing, wearing the yellow gloves again. I couldn't agree more with you on that. And like you said, I hope we get to see much more of that as well down the line. 100%. Uh, the three opening fights then on the card with two quick finishes uh, and one decision. Uh, the Zakaria Barbu fight ended in a, a a quick heel look. I went out to get a drink and I came in and there was someone tapping. I was like, Oh, what's after happening here? Uh, uh it, it lasted 64 seconds and a lovely heel look there. Uh, the Dario Bellandi, uh, Juan, our uh, our staff, I went a little bit longer. I went to the 53 seconds into the uh, uh, into the second round. Both guys were hurt in the first round at different times, a very, very close round. Uh, uh, Belandi landed an elbow to the back of the head. <laughs> he got warned from. They were saying the commentary was like a a twelve to six elbow to the back of the head, which wasn't great. I don't think it was a twelve to six though. But there was a late kind of. It was a knockdown, kind of not really a knockdown. Farish uh, might have run him, uh, won him a close round, uh, and then there was an immediate triangle for Belandi uh, after a takedown. Got into, um, got into the half guard quickly got into the triangle position and ended up triangling him in there. And then in the Michelac uh, Sabatino fight, um, Michelac won round one, massive early combinations, nearly got a KO. Sabatini landed nice knees uh, throughout the rest of the round, was kind of winning that round. And then he won the next two in a row, showed better grappling and transitions in the second round at Sabatino, took the back a couple of times. Uh, Carl uh, uh, Michelac almost got an arm bar at one stage, but not really. Um, and Sabatino in the third round kind of just showed he was uh, a better grappler uh, all around there um, so yeah that was the, the rest of the card the commentary well, what did you think about Brad Warren I think he got the COVID so he wasn't able to be there yeah uh, shout out to Brad I just sent yeah. him a message during the show saying that he was missed and you know he was missed as he well was, credit yeah. to the guys who were there um, you know Paddy uh, um, did a great job in, in kind of standing in for him but you know there's no there's nothing like hearing Brad, Brad Warren behind the microphone and hopefully he makes a full recovery and we get to see him for the London card on November 4th so shout out to you Brad hope you're feeling better he obviously caught COVID before he will be devastated to not have been oh, there tonight yeah the old COVID's gone around it's, <laughs> it's gone <laughs> around alright it's back around but, um, again it never went anywhere really. <laughs> no I did, did, did. well I looked at 
they kind of started slow in the commentary but I thought the more the show went on they got better I actually thought Paddy was very good like I think Paddy probably and Daniel Strauss and Paddy probably both say this as well it would have been better if Brad was there to kind of bring Paddy along I think a little bit but I actually th- I thought Paddy was very very good There's, you know you see different people do uh, commentary on, on different places and you know different fighters and they don't really take to it and things but Paddy you know you would think Paddy knows how to talk and he'd be a natural but I think even he's talking about judging he's talking about different positions he's talking about um you know the the, the technical aspects of the fight were very very good i i really enjoyed him and i i would like to uh i'd like to hear him on cage warrior shows again so yeah over and i, I really like daniel strauss very tough position for him to be put in he's not the play-by-play guy you should uh usually so uh, i think he did a he, he did a great job great as well job but, as well yeah, yeah you know you have good. to build that ke- look you have to build that chemistry we know from yeah. probably doing loads of contra- or contra- contracts or contracts well, well, give me one. talking too much about dom wooding there uh we, we did many podcasts together you know you build that that chemistry and you know what when the, the pressure cooker is there and you're doing it on a live show a live event that's not easy to do but the guys did a fantastic job um, with that being said it's going to be great to have Brad behind the desk for the next one as well and look at maybe bring Paddy back like you said and have a three man boot I think it would be fantastic Yeah, I, I don't know where Dan Hardy is these days I think Dan was in Dan did a couple of PFL cards so I don't know if yeah, he's with cage or that so we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes uh all right, and Paddy also said a bit of, bit of news. He said he's planning on fighting on UFC 282 on December 10th, no opponent yet. So he didn't mention Terence McKinney, but no, I don't think he's Terence is going to be his uh, opponent the way he said it. He was kind of saying like... No, you know, and I think Terence McKinney has just got matched up with somebody. Oh, did he? Okay, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness, and it's a good fight too, but that, yeah. we, we'll talk about that on another day, we as will. they say. We will indeed, but looking forward to seeing Paddy back. And a uh, great Cage Warriors card. And as you mentioned, the next one, Cage Warriors 145. Whew. Whew. Jordan Vucinic and Paul Hughes on that one I'm sure we'll have a uh, preview Irish. for that and a few bets for a lot of Irish guys James Webb is on that uh, as well and that Kellen Knocker and Luke Shanks fight is on that card as well if I'm not mistaken isn't it so, oh yeah it is for oh, sure Yeah, what a card that is and uh, we will be back to talk about that one but for Cage Warriors 144 we will leave it there I'm Sean Sheehan thank you very much to Ian O'Neill for joining me at I'oneil MMA check out the Owl Triangle podcast everywhere you can get podcasts and check out all his work over on severemma.com com as well Ian thank you very much thank you to everybody for listening and we will leave it there we'll see you all next time